You're listening to The Remix Baby, a podcast about fertility, family, and genetics. I'm Jana Rupnow, a fertility counselor and author of Three Makes Baby. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Three Makes Baby podcast. I'm here with Hannah today, and Hannah is donor conceived, and or she was donor conceived. And um, she, I want to, you know, learn a little bit more about your story, Hannah. So tell me, just kind of give me the background about you know, how you found uh, the podcast first, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. and then tell me your, your story. Yeah, sure. So I found the podcast um, because I am one of many siblings from the same donor, and it was shared within our group. Um, we kind of have a, a chat group together um, that some former members have, have been on the podcast. And so I thought when I think about my story and the way that I want it to unfold as I go further, you know, trying to take a little bit of ownership back into my story. And, and, and part of that is then storytelling and um, letting it be heard. Yeah. So true. The power of storytelling just cannot be like underestimated. Mm -hmm. So it's great to hear from you. And, you know, as always, these conversations are not planned out. They're not scripted. Um, right. I'm meeting you for the first time and listeners are hearing this meeting. Um, and so I like it to be as natural and authentic as possible. So, you know, they get to kind of hear and listen along as we talk and I get to, um, to hear your perspective and your experience. So mm-hmm. that's, yeah. I'm glad you found the podcast and, uh, you know, are able to share it hopefully. So others know that they are, um, there are other people out there with stories that are similar to theirs and, though your experiences are different. And that's, I think, what's really important too to convey. So let's talk. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your story and I know there's some uniqueness in it. So. Sure. So I've only known that I was donor conceived for a year now. Um, And as I, you know, answer questions or talk about different components of this, albeit like short journey thus far, um, you know, I have to say that it can't necessarily be disassociated with the story that my, my parents began. Um, So, you know, there's, and for them, like they chose to keep this component um, a secret from me and everyone who knew them. Um, And, you know, in today's world that, (laughs) that may not be people's typical choice. I, I don't know that. I don't know the data on that, but at least, you know, 25 odd years ago it it just wasn't wasn't disclosed widely Mm -hmm. and especially for them there was a lot of of shame around it um for them Mm -hmm. and so yeah I'll probably more talk about just my experience with that because I I I don't know all of all of their ups and downs and details um I think there's there's lots of things that people are considering as they look at alternative choices for starting a family Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and it's not just about having a baby. It's, will my family accept this part of it? Should we do adoption versus this? Like there's so many options. Yeah. Now. now let me ask you, you identify it as shame. Was that something you were able to identify right away that that was, that's what your parents were experiencing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Tell me how, yeah. how did you recognize yeah. that? So I was not told by my parents. I found out through another family member oh, okay. who did it very hurtful, like meaning to hurt. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. That's never the way that 
<laughs> someone should find out. But oh, I'm so sorry. That is that is something I have talked about that can happen. And mm-hmm. it's yeah. Yeah. And so my my parents have a big age gap between them, mm-hmm. which is why they were struggling to, you know, start a family. Um, and my father, so you know, uh, I have there that age difference and then for him he already had kind of had had the family right so like second marriage second marriage thought, okay thought that we you know as a couple they were like yeah yeah we know what we want probably hold off on the kids for a while no problem mm-hmm. but then thing you know biologically maybe things start changing relationship starts changing and now you're thinking okay i do i would like to grow this love i would like to have children and then it's okay. like well how do we do that um mm-hmm. And so being older, and I mean, males can have used their sperm for forever. It's crazy. Um, but, you know, both my mom had issues and also um, my dad had had a vasectomy forever ago. So like, mm-hmm. how do you yeah. reverse that? Yeah, it's a long um, time. So it's harder to yeah. reverse. Um, yeah. And so did they have to end up using double donation or? I'm I'm not sure. I just know they they tried like three different times. So it was not only was the, so not only is there sometimes shame around people who cannot conceive, Mm -hmm. um, there's also this moment of like, well, how, how far do we go with it? How many times do we try? Mm -hmm. Um, when do we exhaust this option? And then when do we turn to the next one? Like our plan B and C and D. Um, so they had tried with the same, I believe it was the same donor, three different times. And then I was conceived on the third time. Okay. Well, so yeah. So by double, I should have specified by double donation, I meant um, both a sperm donor and an egg donor. No. So my mom was able to use her. She was. Okay. Eggs. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I mean, there was a, there was like surgery stuff beforehand. There was a lot of things that went into it because Mm -hmm. she had scarring. Okay. I'm not sure what, but you know, she was older. In okay. her upper thirties, so okay. Um, it's it's kind of crazy to think about, like as women have ascended into you know higher and higher levels of you know quote unquote workplace, mm-hmm. um, and are choosing to have children later. Our biology has not caught up with that. That's right. Our bodies it's so true. still want to bear children at sixteen, at nineteen, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we may not be ready for that or want that until like our forties. That's right. That those things don't line up still. Exactly. Um, Exactly. So it feels like you have to choose. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Our biology hasn't caught up to the social changes Mm -mm. at all. And a lot of women don't realize that, that their reproductive years are much younger than they thought that they hear stories of women having babies at older and at older age and don't realize that that's with sometimes with a lot of help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a, that's definitely a good point is that for, for women or people who identify as women that are able to have or conceive, and that was a difficulty that's not necessarily shared. And so when you hear these stories of like, oh yeah, she had a baby at 45, at 35. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, you don't know what that story was behind there. And then exactly. Like, cool, I can wait, no problem. Not mm-hmm. to mention that my egg count just dropped off exponentially when I hit 30. <laughs> Uh, exactly. Yeah, that's right. And they, they're not hearing the whole story. Yeah. So, so they were able to, you know, conceive you and you, did you get a lot of these details after the fact, like in the past year? Yes. 
Okay. Wow. Yeah. So she ended up telling you quite a bit of detail. Yeah. I mean, once the gate was open, mm-hmm. um, it was like, all right, anything you want to know, like anything. Yeah. I'm, I'm so sorry for ever keeping this. This is not our intention. Um, and maybe that's a good point too, is that my parents always wanted to tell me together. Okay. Um, but since my dad is older, he has dementia. Okay. And that started about 10 years ago. Mm. And so as he's known me less and less, that moment that was supposed to happen where they would both sit me down and tell me this thing just never really showed up because never like, happened. That doesn't mm-hmm. have moments of clarity that you, you know, that's going to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it just got right. harder and harder and then got further and further pushed back. And, and honestly, like, because I know now in my twenties, like it doesn't, af- it doesn't affect me in the way of like, my childhood is ruined. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, no, it's just, it's now a part of my story in this past year. I've been, you know, trying to take what I knew about my, you know, 18 years of quote unquote childhood or whatever, and then overlay it or maybe insert this extra brick into the foundation. That mm-hmm. is to say that, oh, I didn't know this little piece of my core biology mm-hmm. um, and then say like, well, okay, what, what things are growing out of that not knowing? And there's not much, honestly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm, I'm not angry or, and I wasn't for the second, like as soon as I was like told this, I like looked at my mom and that just like, just complete like angst and like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And then I was like, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And then to that family member, you know, I'm turning back and being like, I, you know, I lied, but I was like, I did know. Mm. And it doesn't matter. Mm. And because I didn't want my mom to lose face in that Mm. moment. And I got this really big moment of clarity where I was like, oh, it doesn't even matter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I will make that choice right now. Okay. Yeah. And that's kind of been just been a good foundation then that I've built upon to this past year of like some things do matter in the ways that it's really really important um like my dad's still my dad my mom's still my mom I'm not bitter or anything like that it's just how do I tell these things differently now mm-hmm. yeah yeah well you know a couple things I want sure. to talk to one is that this idea that they wanted to tell and intended to tell, but never did. That's really common. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens a lot. And because it's so easy to get caught up with parenting and just kind of go on with life as normal, that then sitting down to have this moment of telling, right. it's easy to postpone and postpone and postpone. Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, now it's gotten And awkward. then it gets bigger and bigger and Us. bigger. <laughs> exactly. So that's why when people say, when should I tell? I say, well, start right away. And they go, why? And I say, well, it's just easier on you as a family. If you just start mm-hmm. right away, you just start mm-hmm. incorporating it in your dialogue. It takes practice. So a lot of times, I mean, people don't know how to talk about it because they've never used words like this or they've never had the social narrative or the script to, to say before. They've never, they just don't know what to say. So it's, learning a new way of describing family. But that's something that a lot of couples are reconciling from the beginning, right? Is saying, this is how I'm defining family. And that does not change when the child is there. If you're defining your family and how it's growing by incorporating a sperm donor, nothing changes from that once the child is there. So like you said, like the narrative that you started nine months ago before the child was there, like 
just continue it. Yeah. It's just that some people aren't, they haven't fully accepted that new narrative. Sure. And yeah. so they don't know. Um, and so rather than accept, you know, rather than talk about it, they tuck it away mm -hmm. um, and, and keep, uh, keep internalizing and externalizing the old narrative of this child is biologically related to both of us. And if we yeah. don't speak about it, then that's, that will be assumed by everyone. And if that's assumed, that's the narrative we are living. Mm -hmm. And so that's what, you know, the difference is when there isn't acceptance of that narrative over time, then, um, then you just use the old narrative. And that for you is not the accurate narrative. Mm -hmm. it's you aren't biologically both your children and you kind of have to we you know like you you're sorting through what's relevant what's not relevant what impacts you what doesn't impact you and that mm -hmm. can change you know from over an entire lifespan and that even if you know even if yeah. a child knew from the time they were young they might have feelings about it they might feel fine about it and then have different feelings when they're older uh, you know a life event might change their their development. We know we're always growing and learning. We're always uncovering mm. new layers of ourselves. And, and so that's kind of the, I guess the interesting yeah. part is so dynamic and ever changing. And so you, and you have the right to change your mind, right? Uh, you have the right to change your mind in two years and go, you know, what? I feel differently now. And <laughs> that's okay. You know, you're Absolutely. all you're figuring it out. So. Yeah, definitely. And the, having that grace for yourself, like I might feel very differently when I choose to have children, I might feel very differently, you know, if, something pops up like the good thing about having you know 70 plus whatever siblings is that as we get older we will be growing up together so as things pop up we have this database to tap back into and say like hey my my left knee's been acting up anyone else and, you know mm -hmm. one third of us say yeah yeah well I already got mine replaced about five years ago and oh I'm like gosh, wow right? shit I'm probably gonna have to go do that like that's yeah. kind of incredible absolutely you don't have to spend years doing detective work trying to figure out what's going on with you you know help right what I mean, could pretty be quickly solution. i'm like yeah mm, that's the donor or no that's my other side yeah that's that's kind of the fun part is is yeah. like piecing it all together and i mean i say fun at first it maybe isn't fun for people and maybe it's confusing it, it would be naturally confusing but mm -hmm. um but for those that are don't have that information from the beginning and do have to do a little bit more work um you know, mm -hmm. in adulthood that, uh, you know, I guess it's all how we, we can, there, at times it can be a pain and at times it, it might be a little bit kind of fascinating. So again, both yeah. positive and negative feelings. It's not, there's no one way to feel. It's just, it, it just is, it's just what it is. Yeah. It's different. And yeah, for you saying it doesn't matter. That's, that is your, um, that's your, your truth. Your, you know, your exactly. experience that it, this isn't changing who you are. Um, and that, you know, while it was this secret that seemed like it could cause a big disruption, you're choosing for it not to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At least in, in this, yeah. especially the way it was presented to you, almost weaponized. And you know, I can mm -hmm. see why you would be like defend against that and go like, Hey, you know, you try to use this as a weapon as a weapon against me and I'm not going to let you do that. Right. And so, right. Yeah. And yeah. So I think two of the things that I've struggled the most with is, one that well this is just my personality is I just want to be unique I want to be the first one to do things I don't want you know like just have whatever that ENTJ Scorpio like energy where I'm like mm -hmm. I no, I'm the only one that probably thought of that meanwhile like everyone's thought of a lollipop 
<laughs> but when I then saw like, oh, I have all these like, siblings, which I got, I found kind of through 23andMe, I was like, oh, like I am unique. I got my own fingerprint, whatever. Mm-hmm. But now I suddenly like have similarities with not just like a sibling, but with like a bunch of people. And so that was really tough for me to like, uh, I guess, just kind of wrestle with and like mm-hmm. a lesson that I've learned over and over that, mm-hmm. yes, this might be a new way that you're thinking or acting, but it's probably normal out in the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it was just a very humbling moment for me. And then the other thing was that I have, um, my eye color is like, not necessarily unique in my family, but it's green. And mm-hmm. I like, didn't, I was really convinced. I was like, oh my gosh, is this, I don't want that distinguishing feature from a donor. And I had a really rough time, like not knowing where my eyes came from. Mm. That was really tough for me. Mm-hmm. So you didn't, you mean growing up? No, or? just like when I found out, I was like, oh, oh okay. like where, then whose eyes are these? Oh, wow. <laughs> it was a and really big thing that it like just kind of fixated on for really? like a good six months. Yeah. So neither parents had green eyes? No. And green oh. eyes are, they're not necessarily inheritable. They, they're like a, jumbulation of all types of pigmentation so they're mm-hmm. just because you have a parent that's green eyes doesn't mean you will that's but right. Right. in my head I was like well then they're definitely not from my mom's side because you know they're all blue and or they're all brown like and mm-hmm. I don't know it was just really upsetting to me that I had to look at this face every day and like not know a core component of it did you think it came from a relative that had passed before you knew you were donor conceived no, it just never bothered me because I knew that green eyes weren't necessarily like, like I said, inheritable. Mm, so I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, cool. And yeah, my mom's eyes change color. So, you know, who yeah, knows? Yeah. And then do your half siblings are in, I know you have a database. Mm. Is there a lot of, are there a lot of green eyes or hazel eyes? Yeah. I, I don't know what the actual like data is, but mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot, a lot of people just with like different colored eyes. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was like interesting. And then I, I saw the, like the actual, like, not a rap sheet, but like um, basically like this is kind of the paper that you get shown of like what the donor would, would be like or his interests are or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that, so I recently like saw that and like that was actually really healing to me because I was like, oh, like a grandparent of mine had green eyes. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. I just need to know where it comes from. Mm-hmm. again even though it's not actually inheritable <laughs> mm-hmm. it was just it was really yeah you know that makes sense I think there's a lot of that's a very common uh, sentiment from people that mm-hmm. don't have uh, are not living with a genetic relative or you know either adopted or donor conceived yeah um, that they are wondering where their traits the physical traits came yeah. from yeah yeah it's something to do with identity development you know I've tried to do my mm-hmm. own speculation on why mm-hmm. but I think that is just um, physical traits are something we also are socialized to put a lot of importance on as well. Yeah. So I think it is kind of like, and people talk about it. It's like really common small talk. Yeah. So, yeah. So not having the answers is just, you know, makes, like, makes some people feel a little bit alien, you know, right. like, where did I get this? I don't know. It's, so it's like, it, it helped. It's hard to, so some people report that it makes them feel more connected when they can at least say, okay, I, now I know I got it from this person. Yeah. You don't have to go into detail about, you know, if it's an acquaintance or somebody you meet in the coffee shop, you don't have to say, 
well, I got it from yeah. my, bio, my biological <laughs> father and I am uh, adopted or I'm donor. You just say, yeah, yeah, my dad, <laughs> you know, yeah, as far exactly. as you go. So, but if you don't know, then you kind of either go, I don't know, or you feel like you're lying and that just feels weird. So mm-hmm. I think to some people, but that makes sense. And yeah. And thankfully like everything else, I'm like a carbon copy of my mom. So yeah. whether that was like a sweet blessing for some, a, you know, a couple that wanted to keep this a secret, like that was just a really sweet gift they were given um and and also like I never necessarily like wondered because you know I I do look like my parents okay so that was yeah I never had those thoughts yeah that helps Mm -hmm. do you have and does your mom talk about this now is she open about donor conception now well I'm it's it's a two-part like she's I wouldn't say that she's like advocating for it now and has like just had this big change of heart it was the right choice for them. Um, and so, you know, I have family members that are going through this process or trying IVF and stuff. And for her, she's, she can just empathize on a different level. And she's definitely someone, I don't think that she's necessarily shared her story as a component of that Mm -hmm. offering. Um, but yeah, she's just a very like compassionate, empathetic person. That's like, I'm here if you need to talk about it. It's really Mm -hmm. tough. Like, let's let's sit down and talk about it now on my end I'm just really transparent with her now about I'm like if, if I wasn't offered transparency on this I am going to offer transparency moving forward because oh, well. yeah I want great. you to know uh-huh. what I'm thinking and wow. because she had so much guilt and shame around it like I don't want to pick any of that up <laughs> absolutely like, so I tell her and I show her like if the siblings meet up or if, um, you know, if something comes up around health and stuff, or I had a brunch at my house with like a couple people that lived in the area, which is hilarious. I like moved to a new city and happened to have like seven siblings in the same around. Oh my gosh. Wow. So I was like, guys, just come over for brunch. It'll be so great. (laughs) You have built-in friends everywhere you go. (laughs) Exactly. And for someone who likes to travel and I'm always like picking up people from couch surfing and stuff, I'm like, oh, this is amazing actually. You always have a place to stay, right? (laughs) (laughs) I know. So I tell her about that stuff because I'm like, I just want you to know where I'm at and that you should not feel, or I don't like to tell you how you should feel, but like, I want to show you that I am doing well and I'm navigating this. And when I have questions, I just, am going to ask you (laughs) because otherwise I just hate the feeling of resentment. And I know that I, I, I will build resentment if I do not Mm -hmm. become like ultra transparent. So that's kind of where, and we're really close anyway, but good. And she's handling that well. I mean, uh, yes. Um, sometimes, sometimes, you know, tears come because she gets a wave of like, you know, Oh, I'm so sorry. You're even having to deal with that or whatever. And I'm like, but it's okay. (laughs) Like it's, it's not, it's not because I'm not running away from it. I'm like facing it head on. So like, can we do it together? You know? Oh, that's fantastic that you're asking. And there may be times when she's still confronting her own shame. So then you're like having to feel like a lot of then, um, kids feel and you know, to their parents. I say kids, we're adults, I know, but uh, mm-hmm. we're still our ki- our parents' kids, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, we feel like we have to then um, sort of come to the rescue and protect right. our parents' feelings. Yep. Man, that can be a tough place to be in the middle right there, yeah. you know. It's hard to have that role reversal. Sure is. Um, but 
I have learned that, you know, I can tell her, I can't force her. So I can be like, Hey, there's, there's mom's groups for this. There are, you know, when you're, when you're, Oh yeah. Smart. When you're the people that, you know, you know, a friend of mine is looking at maybe like surrogacy or some other options. And I'm like, you know, mom, like it might, this person, you you can be very selective about this, but maybe it would be really nice for you to tell them your story because they're struggling and it would, because you are so close to them too. Um, you know, just, just think about it. You don't have to, but you know, you don't know what kind of a impact you could have on someone now because you've walked through it. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, it's not like that stuff has come to fruition yet, but for both of us, the journey restarted last year. So it's going to take time and we're kind of on our own healing tracks that tend to have like intersections at certain points, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's her own journey. And at the end of the day, it's my own. Such a great point. Such a great point. And then knowing that line of when, of what is hers and what is yours mm-hmm. and also recognizing it may not go on the same trajectory. Mm-hmm. And if it splits, and this is where it gets really tricky. If it splits, you start to see tension build amongst a, an adult parent and an adult, mm-hmm. um, their adult children. And that's when you have that kind of dissonance. And that is an area that also can be dealt with. It's mm-hmm. difficult, but you, know, you can learn to honor your story and your personal needs yeah. while accepting their place or their lack of ability to follow you on that path. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the goal of attenuation or separation from our parents and differentiation. I'm going to mm-hmm. throw a bunch of shun words out there, but you know, <laughs> is that we, um, is that we can do that. We can accept the differences and that we may be in different places and we may grow, uh, further mm-hmm. because of our own life experience, but that we can still respect and accept what, what they're capable of and maybe still even foster a relationship if that's possible, as long as they're not harmful to us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah. And for better or worse, like this, this part of my like story, the narrative that I'm now building going into my thirties, forties, fifties, sixties. Yeah. Like I, I have control over now. You sure do. You know, I didn't have control over the life that I was necessarily given, mm-hmm. which yeah, no child does FYI. <laughs> um, <right>. But <laughs> But like, you know, I can sure as hell make the most of it. <laughs> Not yeah. to get like super sentimental about it. Like, you know, yeah. people probably come on podcasts and they're like, I was, you know, in a terrible accident, whatever. I'm living my own life. Yes. Um, but you know, this is every every piece trauma or healing or, you know, exuberance. Like it's it's all little little bricks, like I was saying, like little bricks that build mm-hmm. the narrative. Absolutely. And yeah, and healing, you can get, you get to have control over your own story. And I think that's what you said is so powerful is having, by having that control, you can take on all of it, the healing, the pain, you know, the anger, whatever comes up and, Mm -hmm. and, and know that you ultimately have to do the work, which sucks, but that's just the truth. We all have to do our own work. We cannot, if we, if we're pointing fingers, we're, we're not going to be able to do our, our own work. So I don't want to gloss over it and say it's easy work because it's not. Um, it is challenging work, but there are people out there who have done it, who have, mm-hmm. you know, found the healing, found the acceptance. And, um, 
you know, embrace that part of their story and then also risen above their story because we are more than our story Mm -hmm. too. So I think that's what's, you know, respecting everybody in the stage they're in, whether that be, you know, super angry and bitter and resentful or full of shame or completely fine with it. You know, that's everyone's stage is different. So mm-hmm. yeah. And that's, um, but it, and I think that's when we get, it gets, this is a very complex topic. So it gets, we can't do mm-hmm. that all or nothing. We can't black and white it. We can't be like, okay, you can't have that binary thinking, which is, you know, it's hard for people, but yeah. it's, yeah. So I could I like, have followed suit. Right. And I've been like, Oh, cool. Like this isn't something we talk about. Great. I'm not going to talk about it and I'll just forget it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so and some like people there's do lots that. Of options. Yeah. <laughs> there's yes. lots of options in that. And again, it just depends on how you want to take the next steps. And when I'm thinking about, you know, people's question of like when to tell kids or does it just always exist? Um, I know for myself, especially in my teen years, I probably would have used it against my dad. Uh, I don't know. I don't know for sure, but I... I can imagine like that spitfire coming back and forth where, you know, mm-hmm. just teen years of no, you can't control me sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I hope that I wouldn't have used it, but I'm glad I didn't have it as ammo. <laughs> so oh, that yeah. is one moment where I'm like reflecting back and I'm like, it, yeah, it would have been. Yeah. So. Experts, experts say that that is the toughest time developmentally speaking to, to tell a child for the first time they were donor conceived. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they know it, you know, before then, prior then to then in the preschool, middle yeah. school years, it's, um, yeah, you might have even experienced it being them yelling at you, I hate you, or you're not my real parent. Because, you know, kids do that. They'll do that regardless. They'll do that kind of regardless <laughs> if they're going to do that. If that's their personality and they're going to say, I hate yeah. you, they're going to say, I hate you, or they're going to say, you're not my parent. But it's not necessarily, they're developmentally speaking, they don't really understand to a, to a full extent what they're saying. And if anything, sometimes they're saying it to test you to mm-hmm. see as a parent, do you really love me as if I was biologically yours? You know, so we, don't, we would definitely want to try to pass that test. <laughs> I know my daughter tested me already, you know, mm-hmm. when she was really little with that, but it was not easy. I mean, you'd kind of, you know, you have to like say what you know, you've been taught and read to say, and you read the parenting books. And then you kind of walk in the other room and go, oh, you know, and breathe out and just mm-hmm. kind of take a moment to regroup yourself. Cause, but that's, um, yeah, it, it is, it is our, ultimately it is us as parents. And that's my message is as our, as the parent, it is our job to be the parent. And, you know, that's not always easy when we have big feelings around of shame, of grief, of sadness around topics like infertility. And, you know, it mm-hmm. is, that's part of the work though. So yeah, yeah, I love that you're encouraging your mom to do it now. You know, it's never too late. No, it's not especially like, oh man, especially for women, like not being Mm -hmm. able to live in your truth. And it's not a chosen truth all the time, but yeah, the actual truth of what happened can be really impactful for years down the road and it impacts your relationships, Mm -hmm. um, everything under the sun. And so Mm -hmm. you're right. It's never too late to like step back into this. Like I say, like, maybe it's like a a, a brook of running water, right? It's clear, it's cleansing. Um, like you've been running alongside it for so long, yeah. but like, wa- like wash and get back in the brook and like, let it lead you to where it's supposed to, mm-hmm. um, the next intersection. Mm-hmm. So yes, I, yeah, it's never too late. I mean, 
I love how you never too late to tell, you know, to talk about that. It's never too late. That's a great message. And I love how you, you visually, um, explain very visual. Yeah, no, I'm too. I get it. (laughs) You visually explain that in a way that, that, you know, when, and the words that come to my mind are, if you're walking beside it, you're rejecting it. You're not, Mm. you're not accepting it as part of you. And so Mm. rather than reject that, allow it to come in because your story is liberating the truth of it is liberating and and it will like you said wash wash you clean and and lead you places that you never thought possible so you do stay sort of stuck when you're rejecting what is so yeah mm -hmm, Yeah, exactly and um yeah and i think reflecting too on not just like my mother's role but also my father's role and for for many men right like a a measure of their machismo or their Mm -hmm. (laughs) their um identity is is having children and for for my dad he had he had children with a previous wife so like for him maybe it was a little bit easier but I could never and I still could never like say that you know he was just like sure I'll like have a kid whatever like he chose like when I'm thinking about natural conceiving versus choosing a donor that word choose has been really highlighted to me mm-hmm. um I don't have any tattoos but if I were to it'd probably be that like chosen word because mm-hmm. it takes a very selfless person to like choose like choose a child and this could also you know this analogy could also work in like adoption too but like mm-hmm. you're choosing to take in something that mm-hmm. you you aren't blood related to and and mm-hmm. it's not many familiar kingdoms, yeah no. mm-hmm. in many kingdoms of the world you know there are stories of animals doing this but it's not typical like if something doesn't smell mm-hmm. right you reject it right it's right it's not instinctive yeah right mm-hmm. and so every day it's like when you get married every day you have to choose that person and so mm-hmm. you know he <laughs> My dad was so involved in my life, like would go and sit in on classrooms to make sure the teacher was uh-huh. teaching me right. Oh, like, moments that's like awesome. That. <laughs> I mean, my, my teachers were like, this is more stressful than the board members coming in. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> I Aww. loved it. Well, yeah. I loved it, but I also was like, okay, I'm going to college now. You can't do that. <laughs> he was your protector for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so just that word chosen has really stood out to me this year when I, when I think about, and I, I now work as a doula. So I work with clients that are, are having babies and, you know, going mm-hmm. into their you know, motherhood, fatherhood stage. Um, and, you know, you also have to choose your child when it, when it comes out, you have to be like, okay, you're accepted into the fold. We're going to raise you and everything like that. But for sometimes for, um, yeah, donor conceived, it's a, it's another layer because that baby arrives and you're like, okay, all right, we're doing it. Like, or you, or you conceive, you finally conceive and you're like, okay, we're doing it. We're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, it's amazing to watch, um, there's an account pursuing fatherhood mm. and he really speaks about that process. And you can see now that he has his baby home, the change that's happened in him over this acceptance of different 
genetics. And he said recently, he said, I almost look back at my old self and kind of think I was being a little silly, which of course mm-hmm. he wasn't because, you know, he was being very honest about his feelings mm-hmm. and about what's kind of instinctive and what's confusing. And, but he says now that he's like, I can't even imagine anybody but our child. And mm-hmm. I, if you asked me if I could have my own genetics go back and do it, I would tell you no, you know, because yeah. this child, my child is perfect and I'm so in love with her. So yeah, it's, I think it's so wonderful to see that, that evolution. I'm sure your dad felt the same about you and it just he was better. Never, yeah. <laughs> it's just never a question. So, but, and that's why, you know, again, I think it's so much of this shame and this stuff that we kept the secrets in place where one, you know, they were told to be Secretive too. They didn't have the resources. They didn't have the language. They didn't have the skill set. They didn't. It wasn't commonly known in society. So where we could, you know, have to under we could explain it to others. So, you know, that's the goal of this work is to get this out there so people understand it more. And it doesn't have to be a, a shameful topic for your sake, for the kids' sake. Um, mm. You're the ones that it is your story ultimately that you will live out longer than your parents in the most cases, mm. um, and that is why the message, um, should be where shame and secrecy should be, you know, kind of taken out of this narrative altogether. And like most things, I mean, if I can be really honest, I, I wasn't a huge supporter of like donor conceiving or, or even IVF, you know, I was more in the camp of like, okay, well, if it's not, it's not happening and it's bringing a lot of sorrow and pain, then like, let's maybe look at other options. Mm-hmm. Um, that was where I was coming from as like adoption. Know, someone who has never tried. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Or yeah. Um, and so, but then as it becomes part of my story and I, I'm like, Oh, I literally cannot be fundamentally against this. <laughs> 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 like then I'm going against my own life and that is not natural for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to live. And so I, I think, you know, reconciling those, was kind of beforehand what I was what I was led to think about or or my opinion on the subject when asked was like my knee-jerk reaction was well no then there there must be a reason there must be a reason for that um but if I now look at what we kind of started the conversation with which is biology is not able to keep up with the Mm -hmm. societal changes of of what parents look like and how old they typically are now then course there needs to be different solutions of course there needs to be um, accepted solutions for those people who who really do want to carry their child mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. and have it at least be half um, biologically at least theirs um, so you know my my opinions definitely changed on that and I definitely talk about it differently with people um, yeah. when they can ask my opinion on it mm-hmm yeah, you know, I think you go back to like those large instincts that are in play that that want some that for someone to want to to continue their genetic pool, for lack of a better mm-hmm. word, that's probably wasn't I, and it's stupid. deep in us. We want to continue it. It is as humans, we are so. So I know some um, times it can feel people say, "Well, am I being selfish that I want to?" You know, mm-hmm. choose to, to still have you know have a child with my husband, even though. Um, I can't, you know, my eggs aren't, aren't, uh, viable anymore. Is that selfish of me, mm. um, to want that? And, you know, we had a, I think a re- episode recently with a child, Tia, who's childless by after, not by choice after infertility. And we talk about that whole word selfish and, you know, how 
how can we, you know, isn't everything we do essentially selfish, right? I mean, aren't we self-motivated mm-hmm. creatures? So, I mean, I don't know. It just ends up, if you call someone selfish, it seems very, you know, like just a judgmental statement. So trying yeah, to desensitize. just ask like, where does that come from? Why do you believe yeah. it's selfish first? And we're like, all selfish, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> everything we do. And the fact that I had too many cups of coffee is <laughs> selfish. It's what I wanted. You know what I mean? I, I adopted because I wanted to adopt. It was... So it's not because it was some better decision, you know, it was just what, what was right for me. And we have to respect individual choice and what is right for people. So long as they're not being, you know, harmful about it, obviously. So, right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And it is someone's choice. It is, you have to understand where some of your decisions come from too. Like if you're fundamentally, like for me, I was like, oh, I'm against this because I don't really know why. I think that's just what I've been hearing. Mm. And for me, I'm like, that's the quickest solution away from the pain of people who can't have a kid is to choose another route quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, path of, in a way, path of least resistance, but there's something really humbling and beautiful about people who are like, no, I, I know this is the right path for me. I believe it in my bones. I think, you know, spiritual work and energy work is extremely powerful. I'm glad you said that. Mm-hmm. And so if you, if you know this is the right choice for you, then you, you actually don't need to explain it away. And that there's a lot to be said for that, that, you know, I think for, if you have come into a family this way, whether through adoption or donor conception, um, you, and you have the opportunity to have, you know, kind of sit down with it and think deep and really explore this, do some research, do some reading you know, get into the, all the nitty gritty of it. And it takes time that ultimately it does kind of come down to that. You know, Mm -hmm. you get into that place of, and spirituality is not just necessarily, you know, it's whatever you want it to be for Mm -hmm. you. It's not not religion. religion, It's it's just, what is the, what is, what is our purpose for being here? It's sort of meaning of life stuff. So if you get into that, once you get into the meaning of life and purpose and you can find, and you can write your own meaning and you can make it meaningful and useful. And you know, the way, the way I find the best way I found is to, by giving back and giving it and seeing that our, each of us in our story has a gift Mm -hmm. to give the world. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of where you go back to your uniqueness and you really wanting to feel unique and being unique. And that (laughs) is your uniqueness, Mm -hmm. your unique story. Even if there's 70 half siblings, you still have a unique story and a life experience that's different from those 70 half siblings that you have Mm -hmm. to give and something, you, you know, finding it can be the hardest part, figuring out what exactly that is. Mm-hmm. But then, um, you know, kind of that's how a lot of people end up making meaning from the, from the grief and the sadness and the pain and the struggle they had to go through and the shame and, you know, just all the, the heartache of it. Cause it is, it can be a painful path. Yeah. And yeah. all of those things that you're doing to have a child, you know, hopefully you don't place all of that and go great babies here. I'm placing it all on them. Mm-mm. That all of that fear, all of that hope, everything like, okay, it's, it's them, you know, and you know, yeah. I can just see how like doing that can also cause a lot of pain and discomfort because your idea child, ideal child is going to make mistakes and will hurt you and will want to distance themselves from you because that's mm-hmm. how it works. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is that exactly. Fortunately, we are called to leave, leave the breast we by which we were nourished. Exactly. From the moment they're born, it is a and task. That's how you know of you're leaving. doing a good job. <laughs> it's a task. The task is them leaving, and it is so hard as a parent. But yeah, there's so much in that. 
That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's just been such a pleasure to talk to you today. Yeah. I definitely um, appreciate your um, sense of you know depth and thoughtfulness on this topic. And I think a lot of people can will benefit from hearing it. So is there yeah. anything else that you'd like to share? Um, I think like you were talking about and you know, this is a, this is a moment in history for me and I might look, listen back on this podcast myself and go, who the heck was she? And like, <laughs> that is not where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think just highlighting and then, and, and underscoring what you said previously around like, um, yeah, this is how I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but exactly. I might redefine this story to be something else mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I go forward, I think transparency for me has been kind of the, the utmost importance and then also knowing when to when to shut up like not everyone needs to know but when mm. I feel this like quickening of my heart that I, I should speak or I should mm-hmm. say something to someone mm-hmm. then I should follow that because my my story will impact them in mm-hmm. a positive way otherwise yeah like I said I don't need to someone be like great eyes and I'm like cool yeah donor dad <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, or though the, or there might be that moment in time where you, you it's something in your instinct tells you, your intuition tells you to do it. And then mm-hmm. you don't, and right before you is someone else who was also donor conceived and you, you know, your gut's telling yeah. you, I mean, there's just these, I mean, there's so many so missed moments cool, like that. Right? But there's oh, so many, God. it's not necessarily missed moment. I think your gut tells you when the right moment's right. It, it may, I think it's a rare moment, but, um, yeah. but yeah, I think you're so, it's so true to, to, the, for people to know that, just because you come on a podcast and you say something today, and this is, and it's so important for me to emphasize this for every single podcast guest that I have, that I'm speaking to them and me included. This is how I feel in this moment in time, mm-hmm. but I may change my mind in two years and have mm-hmm. a different thing to say. So, because I'm continuously growing and learning and mm-hmm. changing myself. So just to give everybody else permission to do the same, that we can always continue to grow and learn and just, we have the right to change our mind. That doesn't make us not, that doesn't make us less Mm -hmm. convicted. It just makes makes us flexible and adaptable. So I appreciate that you said that. And I think you'll listen back to yourself in several years and go, damn, I was smart. (laughs) (laughs) That's always always the goal. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, thank Uh, you so much. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you would like to follow for more content, you can go to my Instagram and Facebook account at Jana Rupnow LPC or follow Three Makes Baby on Instagram. You can get a copy of my book and the companion workbook to Three Makes Baby on Amazon. If you like this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe. Have a great day.